You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, and welcome to episode number 119 of the Blended Family Podcast. I've been really busy working on some upcoming shows for you. It's pretty clear that a large amount of my listeners are struggling with exes who are difficult, many of them who have or show signs of some type of mental illness. I'm not sure if you're aware, I wasn't until recently, that May is actually Mental Health Awareness Month. So I am preparing some shows for you surrounding the topic of mental illness with some experts. So make sure you look out for those. We'll be touching on parental alienation, narcissistic and toxic exes, and much more. Plus, you'll be hearing from two very special listeners who will be sharing their own stories of abuse. If you're not already a subscriber to this podcast, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe. That way, when the episodes are released, you will automatically get them. Also, many of you have been writing to me with topic ideas, so thank you for that. I love when you write to me, whether you have questions, ideas, feedback, it doesn't matter. I love to hear from you. And I will get to your topics. I usually plan out my shows in advance, so it may not be right away, but I will get to them. If anyone would like to send me an email... That address is melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com, or if you would prefer to leave me a voicemail so that I can hear your voice, the link is speakpipe.com forward slash blendedfamilypodcast. Today, I'm bringing you an interview with another podcaster who specializes in finances, and I think you'll find it valuable as I know that's another area where many blended families struggle. I want you to stay tuned all the way to the end because I am doing another giveaway today. As you know, or for those of you that are new, I do random giveaways on the show and I always choose someone from my list. So if you want a chance to be entered to win, just join my list at blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash subscribe. It is free. You'll get a free quiz when you sign up. And of course, you'll have a chance to win a gift. And who doesn't want that? What's really exciting today is that my guest decided she wants in on the fun too. So one lucky winner is going to receive the book Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. It's supposed to be a very good one. And another is going to win a $20 Amazon gift card. So after the interview is over, keep listening to find out if you are the winner. And that is all for my announcements today. Enjoy this interview with my special guest. Hello, I am super excited to welcome Elle Martinez to the show today. She's the creator of Couple Money, a personal finance site and podcast focused on helping spouses build their marriage and wealth together. She shares tips, advice, and stories from her own journey and others about dumping debt, taking care of family, and dealing with sticky situations that many marriages encounter. Welcome to the show, Elle. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm really happy to have you here because finances are a huge issue for everyone and blended families definitely can experience many more complications when it comes to money. So we have a lot to talk about for sure. Let's start first with you telling everyone a little bit more about yourself, including what led you to having such an interest in finance. 
Well, I would start off by saying I am not like a person that loves to analyze numbers or I didn't start off that way. Um, it was actually a need that we had in our own relationship that had me kind of go down this rabbit hole. We got engaged, my husband and I, and at that time we thought, okay, we're going to do the real smart thing. We're going to talk about our numbers because no one talks about their numbers. And it was an eye opener, Melissa. Long story short, we were in college. He had just graduated. I had one more year left. I thought we were exactly on the same page. I had the trifecta of credit card debt, car loan debt, and some student loans. And all he had was one semester's worth of student loans. So it was like, I am over here and he is over there with money. And we realized very quickly we had to figure out some way to work together. So I started digging around and I found like really good resources with personal finance per se, the technical stuff, the numbers. But at that time, I couldn't find a good resource that went into those meaty situations, working as a couple, finding a course, finding a plan that basically makes both of you happy. No one likes using the word compromise um, because they think it's one side, you know, giving up or both sides giving up. But really, uh, I wanted to find uh, a resource that could help both of us be happy. And so I didn't see it at the time. And I created couple money to kind of address that need. Well, that's great. And so let's let's talk about the podcast, the couple money podcast for a second. There's so many avenues you could have taken with finance. So what made you really decide to do a podcast about it? Was it that you saw a lack of it out there? I mean, what was it for you? I so first of all, I'm a fan of podcasts. I love them. I'm um, I work from home mom. I have two little ones, five and two, so I'm very busy. I love podcasts because I can do um, all my stuff and listen to something, learn something. And I thought, oh, maybe I should do this, but I was hesitant. I think. You know, you being a podcaster, you appreciate like, oh, I don't know if I like the sound of my voice. I was worrying about all these like little details. Um, And the real push was my readers. At that time, they were saying, you know what, this is material we need. But honestly, I don't have time to read this, you know, and I want to deal with this. So I started the podcast with the idea is, could I cover a topic, a question in about 20, 25 minutes or less? That way someone can get in the car. And when they get out, they know the next conversation or the next step they're going to take. And you and I appreciate like there's so much power with audio. There's a power in hearing someone tell their story in their own voice. And so when I bring in um, other couples, I'm always fascinated because on paper, it looks the same like, oh, this couple got out of debt or this couple saved for a baby or a business, both or traveled the world. But when you hear their story, Melissa, I, I discovered that while there's definitely principles that you have to respect, like spend less than you earn, uh, save for retirement, but there's so many different routes to get there. And I think it's enlightening and it's encouraging because every family, every couple has their own DNA and how they approach things. Um, Money is a reflection of that to a certain degree. Yeah. And I love what you're saying. And I agree with podcasting, you know, somehow listening to somebody and, and also some people don't want to read about finances. I mean, it can be boring to read about finances for some people, you know, so it's, it's totally different when you can actually listen to a conversation. So what type of topics do you discuss on the show and what seems to be the biggest problem you find when it comes to couples and their finances? 
Yeah, we cover a huge amount of topics. And I say we, um, it's just me as the host, but I'll bring in guests. I really do feel like my audience is a part of it because I take their suggestions and ideas and make these episodes. But basically, we do dig into the numbers. We talk about investing, paying down debt, uh, creating a budget, but we also get into really sticky situations, very personal uh, discussions like loaning money to in-laws dealing with health issues as a couple. How do you encourage each other while you're, you know, you're working in the middle of something and one of you is hit with a major medical issue. Uh, We also talk about kids. It's very personal for parents to decide is, are we going to make the situation where one of us can stay at home Mm -hmm. or both of us have more time? And so we do look at both sides, which is the conversations and the numbers. And I know it sounds cliche, but most of the tension that I see in the frustration really comes from not knowing how to approach things as a team. Very often, uh, the problem with finances, we got into it because of an emotional reason. Getting out of it means addressing that instead of just looking at the numbers first. I love that. I love that so much. All right. So let's get into blended families. That's why we're here. And I'm sure, as you know, things can get quite messy when it comes to finances and blended families. And I get questions all the time from people who are unsure how to handle their finances. So one of the questions I hear often is, what do we do with our bank accounts when we blend? Do we keep our separate accounts? Do we have a joint account? Or should we do both, have our personal accounts and a joint account? And it's a very personal thing. And I bet there isn't a right or wrong answer, but can you speak about this a little, Elle? What is the best way for a couple to figure out how to structure their accounts when they form a blended family? Okay. Wow. This is a meaty one. So I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to take this kind of in pieces yes. and address that. Uh, First of all, you are right. There is no right or wrong answer per se, but I will say that there are certain conversations you need to have about your finances, and it starts off with where do you guys want to go? What goals are you guys going to try to work towards? I know uh, if you have kids especially, it's kind of almost like, okay, from day one, you have to worry about the day-to-day and taking care of all the kids and and then take care of the emotional um, the blending and the routines, and it's so much to deal with. But definitely, as soon as you can, sit down, the two of you, like, what do you guys want to work towards? And by the end of the year, where do you guys want to be financially? Where do you want to be personally? Um, That helps you start seeing, okay, what kind of bank accounts do we need to handle this? I suggest personally, at least you have some uh, joint accounts. Uh, for example, you have shared expenses, living expenses uh, that as a family you need to address. So at least having a joint checking account, and I would say have a joint savings account because you're probably going to be working together on some personal goals that you want to have not only as a family, but as a couple. I'm a big believer in having you know dates, going out, you need to set aside money for that. Sometimes you need to take a vacation. You need to take a break to address that. So what are you guys working towards together with those accounts? Now, for us personally, I have uh, a separate account. He has a separate account. That's more for fun and gift money. Mm-hmm. And most of our money's in the joint account. But we do keep things transparent. When we review our numbers, we are open and honest. There's no secret accounts on there because that's Financial infidelity can cause a huge stress. So, again, start off with what you guys are going to work towards. And then 
kind of take a step backwards and set aside time about your history with money. In particular, how did things go with your previous relationship? Because I've talked to, I have family and friends that because of how the relationship went, good or bad, they take that baggage with them into the next relationship. And your spouse is not your, you know, your previous partner. They have a different view on money. And if it worked or didn't work, you can't just assume anything. Uh, so you do have to start from square one. And you also have to address like, how do you feel about money? I've had a friend where her previous husband was a huge spender and it stressed her out. And so she behaved almost like a hoarder. Mm. And she now yeah. she has to address that because it's not fair to her um, her, her husband now. Because, you know, he's not a spender. He's, I'd say, a regular guy with uh, money. So when you are able to address where you want to go and how do you feel about money now, especially based on whatever previous relationship you had, I think it becomes clearer uh, to decide how many accounts works for you guys. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I know, I know a lot of people do it differently. I love what you said about infidelity with financial infidelity. That's really interesting. Um, I've never heard it put like that before, uh, but that was a really, really good point too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was thinking um, real quick. I knew a, a gentleman that he was meant really well and he basically had all the numbers and he never talked about his about it to his wife and he never could say no to his wife. And it was a form of financial infidelity when he had to come to her and say, listen, we're going to be bankrupt in three weeks. We're $109,000 in debt. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 So yeah, please, you know, talk about it now. It might be painful now, but it's better to rip off the bandaid today then go down the line, and then now you have this huge mess to deal with on top of everything. Well, and not only that, if if you're holding that from your partner, that probably causes you a lot of stress to kind of bear that weight on your own shoulders, you know, and not as a yeah. team, like you said. Yeah, that would be terrible. Oh my. Okay, so let let's move on and talk about child support again. Very unique to each family. Um, I do know that many couples struggle because one partner might be paying a high amount of child support out therefore leaving less money for other expenses. So what's the best way for a couple to deal with this? I mean, in many cases, the person paying out the support will have much less take home than the partner who isn't. And additionally, the partner who isn't paying out might also be receiving, and this I'm sure can cause problems. So what is your advice on working around this? Because depending on the ages of the kids, a couple might be dealing with the child support issues for a really long time. Yeah, I have family that are dealing with that situation. And I will say, I know before you see, you know, the check and you take home, the child support is taking out. I would suggest to the couple that it would be beneficial to include that on paper or digitally, if that's how you do your budget, and see visually, because we're humans and sometimes it's easy to forget, that you're still, this is a contribution. You are looking at the take-home pay, but we need to acknowledge that the spouse that is paying the child support is working hard. Sometimes you get stressed out and you're like, you're barely paying the bills with your money. Right. And you have that outburst and you don't mean it. So by making it a part of your budget and you see visually, okay, you know, the husband and the wife, they're paying their child support. They are providing for their child or children. 
and they're trying to take care of this relationship and marriage. So first of all, put that in your budget. I know it sounds like, well, that doesn't really make a difference, but psychologically it helps address that yes, they are putting in the hours, they're putting in the effort. This is an expense that we have to deal with uh, together as a family. And then I recommend this for all couples. What you want to do as soon as possible is start working towards the goal of keeping your living expenses completely under one income. And I know it is hard, especially when you're you first married and you're getting adjusted, but that relieves a lot of pressure and a lot of tension with couples. It's so make it a goal to see if you can keep with your budget under one income. And then that other money that you use, you can focus it all on paying down debt, saving more other goals, and it won't feel so much like a stress. But right now, this is an opportunity for us to kind of simplify and kind of remove the tension that we're feeling. That's great. Uh, personal question, actually. Um, Sean and I, my, my husband, Sean, we work together. We have a uh, house cleaning business. So we are actually one income. So what do you do in a case like that? How, do you, how would you structure that? That is difficult, but not impossible. I have a couple of friends that were showing me how they were able to reduce it. A budget to maybe shoot for, I saw this um, over, what was it called? Uh, I forgot what it was, but it's called 50-20-30 budget. Mm. And what you do is you take it step by step. 50% of your take home is basically the four walls. You know, you take care of your food, your clothes, you know, all the essential expenses, make sure that you work towards putting 10 to 20%, 20% is the best, um, towards paying down debt or once you're out of debt, investing for the future. And then 30% is for taking care of, you know, the kids' activities, Mm -hmm. taking care of your activities. You guys got to have fun. You have to have life. If you keep a budget too strict, then you're not going to you keep it. It feels like a restrictive diet and no one really keeps to those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good point. I, I think I need to sit down and make my own budget. Um, okay. Oh, so another couple that, uh, I'm sorry, another issue that couples face, um, and this is actually all couples, not just those of blended families is, is debt. And what I want to address is the debt that came before you were together, kind of like what you were talking about earlier. Um, but being that we're talking about adults who are coming from divorce, at least one of them is coming from divorce, maybe two. The debt can be substantial. There could be debt from the divorce, lawyers, debt that comes from moving out of a home or even foreclosures. So when two people come together, what's the best way to handle a mountain of debt? A mountain of debt, yes. I. It, it, it's So basically, the, the short answer is you have a whale and you have to do it bite, bite, bite. I've interviewed, like I talked to you, like a couple that got out $100,000 of debt. I had quite a few of them. And one thing what they did is they looked at the debt and they labeled it. Like, where did they come from? You got to get a clear picture because you mentioned like there are so many different reasons why you're coming in with debt. And you mentioned divorce. That could be it. But it could also be a symptom of maybe a financial irresponsibility. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it can also be something that deals with a family situation with the kids, you know, medical debt and so forth. So when you know what the root reason for the debt is, it's a little bit easier to approach it. And so once you have that established, I would say start building a 
debt payment plan. My One of my favorites that works for a lot, doesn't work for everybody, is the debt snowball. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey. I, I'm familiar with him, but I have not followed his work. Okay. So with the debt snowball, basically, is you take all the debts. After you talked about it, I don't assume, I know we all come into this with different expectations, but the debts that you do uh, assume that you're going to handle jointly, you arrange it by not interest rate, but the balance. And you start with a small one. And every time you pay off a debt to the largest one, you celebrate as a couple. You find a, you know, a frugal way to do it. And you keep yourself motivated. I would also suggest if you have a large amount of debt, consider consolidating it, getting a lower interest rate, and also finding a support network. Um, I mentioned Dave Ramsey. For those that are interested, he has a Financial Peace University, but there's other, like you can you look at meetups, certified financial planners, or even getting your neighbors together and saying, hey, you know what, we're just going to, this year we're going to try to knock out one debt and get a couple couples together and every week just update each other or even every month. You can't do this alone. Having that social, um, good social peer pressure helps motivate you. I would also suggest regular money dates. And no, do not bring out the spreadsheet. No one likes those. (laughs) (laughs) But it's basically going out on a date, Melissa, and sitting down and talking about where are we now with our finances? How are we doing this month? And what's happening in the next couple months? I think a lot of problems with finances and with debt is that we have so much going on. And with step families, you are, you know, dealing with blending a family together. And there's so much to do, so many moving pieces that you really owe it to yourself, your relationship to set aside time to kind of look at the big picture, but then look at it in pieces. Like next month, we're going to have to take care of this. So we're going to pull back on the debt payments, but you know, One of the kids have to have their um, sports equipment. We have to get it for the next season and so forth. So I would suggest taking it bit by bit. But um, again, having that conversation because you want to make sure that you understand where the debt's coming from. It's easier to tackle it together when you get the full picture and everybody's honest. Um, I just don't want someone to be like, okay, I brought this debt and there's kind of no light shine shine on it. And there's a bigger problem besides the numbers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And just to go back real quick to the debt snowball, um, I have heard of that before, but I've also heard of paying off the high interest rate cards first. So why did you say not to do it that way? Well, what they found when they were comparing it, interest rate, well, basically go with what works for you. But Mm -hmm. what they found with the balance is that you get quick wins and that's motivating. Nothing's more defeating than you're looking at a $50,000, you know, foreclosure, or you're looking at this like five figure debt and you're just making a payment and it, it feels like it's not moving, but Hey, you knocked down $300 off the store card, or you knocked out a thousand dollars for this other card that you had. Those are wins. And I'm all about celebrating together when things go right as a couple. Well, yeah, absolutely. I can see how that would be motivating. You feel like you're at least making a dent in it. All right, so we'll move on. Let's talk about the kids. With blended families, it's important to try and keep things fair. And that's actually not hard to do when it comes to holiday gifts and clothing. 
What is hard is if two parents come together who have different opinions when it comes to money spent on these things. So let's say one parent is used to indulging the kids in expensive brand name clothing and high-end electronics, but the other parent has never done so, whether by choice or financial restriction. So when everyone's living under the same roof, the differences will be extremely apparent. And so I want to know how important it is for parents to get on the same page here, or what kind of advice would you have for those parents so that they don't cause resentment to build among the kids? That is a good question. And I was thinking about this and I was asking friends and kind of getting their take on this from their personal experience. And first of all, give each other grace because it's going to take time to find that balance. But I think this is an opportunity to learn from one another. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but again, this is an opportunity to talk about why are you spending or, or how are you spending? Because you mentioned expensive name brand clothing and high-end electronics. Why do they feel like that's important? I'm not saying necessarily a bad thing, but you want to understand where are they coming from? Where are they uh, feeling like, hey, I've worked really hard and I want my kids to have the best. Okay, well, that's good to know. But what are we going to work towards together now? And going back to that first question, like, what goals do you guys have as a couple? What goals do you guys have as a family? And I know we'll probably get into this later, but what you're talking about, are you guys going to pay for college? Well, if you're going to do that, then we're going to have to look at what we're spending now so we can set aside enough money for later. Um, I know we tend to uh, try to put everything into compartments, but how we do spend in one area definitely affects everything. So, Sit down and look at the numbers with that. Set a budget. Say, you know what? I think that's wonderful that you're so generous and you're so kind with that. But this is how it's making me feel. So it's not accusing them. Oh, you're spending too much money. You're ruining the finances. But say, I see this as a positive. They're generous. Or I see that you're frugal. Maybe it's the opposite. The other person doesn't spend so much. And you want to find that common ground and then say, but this is how I feel. And I think most times you're going to start finding a compromise. It is most likely not going to happen the first time around. But I think having a couple guidelines, testing it out, and giving yourselves, like, try it for three months. I know we want to hit the ground running. Like, okay, we got married. We got the kids. We're taking care of this. We're going to knock this out. Give it time. Work on it. And then ask yourself, is this something um, that's important now that we nail down? Or can we nudge it a little bit and slowly work towards the goal. Yeah. And, and there really has to be a compromise here as people don't realize with, with kids through, through a child's eyes, you know, when they see, you know, the half of the kids or however many kids you have on the one side, you know, getting very expensive things. And then the other parent, you know, just doesn't, it causes the kids to just really have issue and dislike one another. And, you know, and it has, it's not the kid's fault, right? They're just used to getting what they get, but definitely compromise is key. I think for both parents to sit down and say, look, we got to at least, you know, maybe I can come up a little, maybe you can come down a little bit and meet in the middle somewhere so that it's equal across the board. Because if not, the kids really notice that right away. Oh yes, they do. And, and having those talks also allows you to find out why is it? Because sometimes because of a stress in relationship, the previous relationship, they may have been trying to soften the blow, you can say, to their child. And they kind of got into this routine because things were so stressful. I feel bad that my child's brought into this. Let me fix this. Or, you know, it could be another reason. So when you talk about why are you doing this this way, I 
think it's easier to find where you can agree on and then kind of nudge towards where you want to go. Great point. And so keeping on the subject of the kids, there are some kids who require more, maybe an expensive sport or hobby, maybe even medical expenses. And this can take away from the other kids in the household. So do you have any advice about that? That's that's a tough situation because, I, I mean, can you imagine any parent? I mean, that's that's their love, their heart. So I, first of all, of course, you know, give each child the love and attention and support they need. And it can be differently, manifested differently. I know medical expenses are a huge burden and it can be difficult. I had a sister who um, had early in childhood a lot of medical expenses. So as a child, I totally relate to kind of feeling like, oh, all this attention is here and everything. But, you know, unfortunately, that's part of life. You have to address certain needs as they come up. And my parents did the best they could. Uh, With hobbies and sports, I would say, you know what? It might, depending on their age, be an opportunity to have that child who maybe more money is needed um, or more time is needed to start chipping in more. Mm-hmm. You know, sports equipment can be expensive. Or if you have a hobby with electronics, it can be expensive. Not stopping their interest, but having them figure a way to contribute. You know, maybe they forego a portion of their allowance. Maybe they take a little side job. It doesn't have to be that they they work constantly, but maybe they do some neighborhood projects to raise some money. I think this is a great learning opportunity for them. And maybe it will help them appreciate the effort that's made to take care of this because you and I know that sports and hobbies can quickly add up. It seems like there's always some kind of fundraiser, some kind of event going on. Yeah, and with a blended family, if you have you know, several children that all want to do a sport, my gosh, forget about it. Uh, Which kind of leads me to my next question. And we touched on this a little bit, the importance of saving money. Um, It can seem impossible at times in a blended family. If I told you my food bill for every week, you would cringe. And so how does a blended (laughs) family save money when it can be hard just to make ends meet in the first place? What do you recommend, Elle? I really wish I can say there's an app for that. <laughs> I, I really wish. <laughs> and there are some helpful apps. But I, the real answer that has worked for us and has worked for uh, a lot of the listeners is that once you know what you guys really want, go line by line and see, is this expense that we have in line with our goal? Do we really need it? And if we do need it, is there a way to do this cheaper? And I'm just going to give you an example that made a tremendous impact for me was cell phone bills. Because as a family, I know those can get crazy expensive, especially when you have kids and they are on the plan and you're looking at, in some cases, several hundred dollars a yes, month. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. and it adds up quickly. So nowadays, they're actually, besides the big uh, providers, so many different opportunities. There's, of course, the prepaid. You might see Boost Mobile. You can see... Um, some new ones like Republic Wireless. And what they do is they have technology that basically very simply uses Wi-Fi first and then gets into the cell network. And what that allows, and they're not the only ones that do this, but it helps you because it lowers your bill. So I have like two lines with them, for example, um, and it's $37 a month. And that's talk tech. Talk, text, unlimited uh, Wi-Fi data, and then I have like a certain amount of cell data. So if I don't use it, I, I get a refund. And so, I mean, it's just looking for opportunities nowadays. 
And I will say there are different apps and programs like cable. I'm, that's a big one that people talk about. I like to watch TV and unwind sometimes, not every night, but just kind of relax, cheap date night, just hang out. Of course, Netflix, Hulu are the big ones. But what if you don't want to give up your sports or you want, don't want to give up the HD TV? There are packages like Sling TV mm-hmm. that's 20 a month. You can get those channels that you actually want and not have to pay for the rest. Oh, wow. Okay. So it, it's kind of, I mean, I really wish I'm like, oh, yes, these are the top 10 things. But if you go line by line and say, is this something we really want? Is this something we really need? And I'm not saying cut out everything. I'm just saying keep the things that matter to you and make life enjoyable as a family, as individuals. But then also for those that really don't make a big difference, cut them as much as you can. Okay. And then if you were going to recommend a percentage to go into savings every week, what would, what would it be? 10%, 15% what? I think, um, I would start off with 10%. I think it's easier to calculate. It's a, a doable number for many families to start out, but eventually it would be great to have 20%. That gives you a lot of playroom. You, you know, it's like the economy goes up and down, things happen Unfortunately, you know, kids get hurt or big expenses come up and it's nice to have a buffer and having that routine of saving 20% gives you kind of that peace of mind and financial cushion. Yeah. Well, and I think if you start out with the 10% and use that other 10% to go towards the debt and then once Mm -hmm. your debt gets paid down, then you can go ahead and add the rest, you know, to your savings. So, um, definitely something to strive for. I'm, I'm, I admit that, I'm having a really tough time with that because at the end of the week, we really don't have much left over after we pay everything. So, but I, I, like I said, I need to go over a budget and I need to get my food bill down because seriously, I, I must spend like 500 a week in food when the kids are here. And, um, I just need to be a little bit smarter about where I go. I think that's what it boils down to, to stop going to places for convenience and, uh, you know, go to the places where I really save a buck. Um, well, you're not alone, Melissa. I, I'm, I love food. I'm not like naturally, I would not say I love cooking, but I love to eat. Yeah. And like my suggestion is try going on a cash budget envelope. There's, there is an app for that. A couple of different apps where you can kind of keep track and it'll notify you, nice. um, such as like proactive budget and it kind of reminds you like, okay, you're getting close to whatever budget you, you set aside for it. And then you got one with proactive where you scan it on the card and it automatically instantly puts that on your phone. That way you're not like, oh, okay, it's the end of the week and I'm reviewing the money I already spent, which is gone. Um, but also meal. Okay. I will say this meal planning. I've seen does tremendous things. I do a hybrid because I am not the person that will sit on Sunday and cook the whole meal for the week. I, I don't want to do it. My husband doesn't want to do it. You know, we take turns cooking, but I will sit down before we go to the grocery store and plan out the meals for the next week in terms of uh, I'd like to have burgers this week or tacos or whatever. And so when I go to the store, I only get what I need. And if you're looking for like an easy meal plan, I know Aaron Chase has one that's like five bucks or um, Lauren Grootman has one. Like literally she tells you um, at the store, which aisle would be in. So depending on how you want to go, um, those are my suggestions. And then I'm the crock pot queen. If I can throw it in there and it's done by dinner, it's fantastic. Um, just those things 
helped us cut our bill in half. And uh, I agree totally. I've done that before myself. And, and when I don't do it, I find that I'm running to the store, you know, four times a week. And then every time you go in for just one or two items, you end up walking out spending a hundred bucks every time. I just, it's ridiculous. So yeah, I, I need to actually get back because that's what I used to do. I used to do my Sunday meal planning and it was much better. And definitely when the kids are around, I try to do a lot of like pasta and, you know, Mm -hmm. things that are filling that you can make for cheap, you know, not, not a huge amount of, uh, just because let me tell you, if I make a meatloaf and sides, they're going to eat all the meatloaf and none of the sides. And then, (laughs) you know, yeah, it's, I have to make like two meatloafs. It's just crazy. Anyway, we we can move on from food. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about college funds. And I'll admit that I completely dropped the ball on this one. And my kids are already teenagers. Um, With blended families, you want to give each child the same opportunity, but realistically, you might have one side set up for that, you know, while the other side never did. And so how do we handle that as a blended family? Um, And is it ever too late to start? First of all, it's never too late to start. I actually did interview a mom that was cash flowing because she was in this similar situation. Her finances didn't get um, strong enough until it was just a few years away. And so there's different ways that a parent can contribute. I know um, definitely you can provide free room and board if they stay local, at least for maybe for the first two years. Even that can make a huge difference because the cost of college is moving so much faster than inflation, than the cost of living in any other category. I would also suggest starting a side income and dedicating it just for college funds. You know, if your regular day-to-day job is taking care of the bills, maybe you can do something on the side, maybe selling stuff on eBay. Um, I know some people do like Fiverr, which is basically you freelance on the side, Mm -hmm. but anything where you can have an income stream and it's dedicated to that. That would also suggest to your kids, you know, if they're teenagers, seeing if they can set aside some money and and you match it. And that that kind of motivates them to put some money aside for education and gives them an appreciation for how much it really does cost. Good, good. Well, it feels like we can talk for hours about finances, but we are (laughs) running out of time. Um, I did have a couple of listener questions that I'd love for you to answer. The first one is from Meg in my Facebook group, and she asks, how do you do estate planning with blended families? I'm sure that can be tricky. So what would you say to that? I guess since we're talking about estate planning, I'm not an attorney, but... (laughs) (laughs) I would say, now, this is something that is very tricky uh, for many reasons, not just because you're combining um, families, but also your previous relationship. So what are your plans with that? If something happens to both of you or one of you, you have to sit down and discuss things. And so I would first say the two of you need to sit down and look at a a few scenarios. And I I know no one really wants to talk about dying. Um, But this really is a protection for you, a stress relief. God forbid something does happen down the line where you say if me or you pass away, what is going to happen? What do we want to happen? So you first sit down and you have those discussions. Write it down because you'll forget. And sometimes, you know, you're dealing with such an emotional topic. Certain things just pass by. Next, I would talk to your um, financial planner if you have one. I would look for uh, a no-fee a CFP, basically, um, they're not 
trying to sell you anything. They're just going to objectively look at the numbers, see where you are now, and you tell them, okay, this is what we would like to do in this situation. And again, you have to consider your previous spouse, you know, the the other parent of your child, what were they expecting? So this is, it, it does get complicated because you're having these conversations, but these are really good conversations to have now when everybody's happy and healthy, or at least when everybody's healthy and kind of establish a general game plan. And once you know what you want to do and where you are now, then I would bring an attorney because it does get pricey. The good news is when you have a plan, it dramatically decreases the price. Because before you go to an attorney, I mean, they charge you quite a bit by the hour. But if you have a plan and you establish, okay, this is where we are. This is kind of where we wanted, what we want to do with our, um, not only finances, but the arrangement with the guardianship with the kids and what's going to happen. They will show you how to execute that and you'll get a much more affordable rate to handle it. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts with that. Yeah, I bet. I know that's very detailed, but um, it's a definitely a good place to start. And the next question is from my listener, Amy, also in the group. And she asks, at what point do you stop the 50-50 split of financial responsibility? We have one kid going off to college next year, and we had a financial expert help look over both households and let us know which family should fill out the FAFSA. When we did that, we realized that our households are no longer fairly even. On a big expense like college, is it okay to offer what you can afford and not be guilty that it is not the 50% that has been the norm? Absolutely. First of all, I would say don't feel guilty. You know, you're supposed responsibility as a parent is to do your best given the circumstances. And I'm not just talking about finances, but in general. And so it sounds like that's what Amy is doing. So don't, please don't feel guilty about that. And you have to look at your entire situation, your entire family to know what is appropriate. So don't necessarily focus on a specific number. I would also add that, you know, paying for college, no matter what your other spouse May pre, you know, pre, your previous spouse, I'm sorry, or partner pressures you, you do the best that you can do. And, and paying for college, like I had mentioned, there are other ways you can help out your child depending on their situation. Mm-hmm. But give what you can. And, you know, the fact that they know and now realize that things aren't fairly even, they can kind of sit down and say, hey, this is what we can give. We do have other responsibilities. I definitely want my kid to have a great education, a great opportunity, but this is what we can do comfortably. Okay, good. Now, now the other side might not be happy with it, but that is the reality of the situation. And I think at this point, your child is old enough. If you sit down and have to discuss it with them, they would understand the situation. Well, yeah. And I mean, the way the world is today, too, it's not like how it used to be. It's it's difficult to send one kid off to college. And some of my blended family, I mean, they have, some of them have six, eight kids. I mean, that, I don't know how anybody could really pull that off. You know what I mean? So... Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty tough. Well, Elle, before we go, I want to give you a chance to add something that I might've missed, or maybe you have some last words of advice for my listeners. Sure. Well, first of all, I had a great time chatting with you, Melissa, and I think you're right. We can go down this rabbit hole <laughs> for yeah. hours, but money of course is not the most important thing, but when it's not taken care of, it can cause 
just a ridiculous amount of stress and frustration. And I don't want anybody to feel like money is ruining their marriage. You know, put your marriage first and nudge yourself towards the right direction with money, with finances. But having those conversations and respecting each other, you know, that's the key to any marriage is that love and respect. But with um, blended families, you have to work a little bit harder because you kind of had all uh, a couple. Uh, Sorry, a couple extra variables to work out, but still, you can have a fantastic, wonderful family. You can take care of your marriage. You can take care of your kids. Um, it just takes effort. That's great advice. And what is the best way for my listeners to connect with you? Well, if they have any questions, please go to couplemoney.com slash welcome. Basically, it takes you through some of my best of pages, or you can just go to couplemoney.com. And if they want to email me, because I know you, you have some, those were great questions that, you know, Amy and them asked, um, l at couplemoney.com. I will do my best. And if I don't personally know, because I'm not a certified financial planner or an attorney, I will find someone to help out. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. And I will go ahead and add all of your links in the show notes. Elle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Listeners, be sure to connect with Elle and also check out her podcast, The Couple Money Podcast. Finances are something we all struggle with, but there is help out there. You don't need to stress about money forever. And I know that we can only touch on so much today. So I'm sure that as you're listening, you're coming up with questions, please reach out to Elle. She knows what she's talking about. Thank you so much for joining us today and come back next week for another show. Bye, everyone. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Elle. As promised, I've got two giveaways today. First, one winner is going to get a copy of Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover, and that is going to... Chuck Conley. And the winner of the $20 Amazon gift card is Wendy Eubank. I will be contacting you both so that we can get those to you right away. And thank you both for being part of my list and community. Once again, if you are not already part of my list, just go to blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash subscribe to join. And another shout out to Elle. Thank you for participating in that giveaway today also. Bye, everyone. Love you.